What is up, everybody? I am back again for another edition of the Lucrative MMA Betting Podcast with your host and professional sports better, James Blissett. This week, we're going to be doing something a little bit different because I'm going to be breaking down the entire card of the UFC 278 Kamara Usman versus Leon Edwards card. It's a pretty good card, better than some cards we've had recently, at least for name value and potential entertainment value. <clears throat> and I thought I'd come on and break down the whole card. Usually I don't do it like that. If you are a regular podcast listener, you will know that I usually go and do my free segments, which is the most inaccurate betting line on the card, the main event, and the most exciting fight on the card. But every now and then I come on and I do a full card breakdown. It's been a long, long time since I've done one of those. So I thought I'd do it. And I thought I'd do it early in the week because all the tape is done. And I know a lot of you guys like early breakdowns as opposed to later breakdowns. Anytime I ask, you know, when you want the content out, everybody always says earlier, right? You you get more time to put your bets in. The lines don't move as much. So I'm, I'm delivering with the full card breakdown and also early this week. So hopefully I can help you make some money. That's always the goal. When I'm breaking these fights down, it's not just from a analytical point of view. It's from a betting point of view, right? So especially on this card, there's going to be a lot of fights where I'm picking one fighter to win, but I'm actually telling you that if you are going to bet on the fight, you should bet on the other fighter. Because I think a lot of these lines are wide this weekend and we'll get straight into it. You know, shout out to everybody in the chat right now. I can see a few of you in here. We've got Daz Files always in here. Shout out to my man, Daz. We've got Mushroom telling me to shout out Daz Files. So I have done that. Uh, shout out to Mushroom. Leonardo saying the most inaccurate line must be Zialdo. As I said, it's not going to be a most inaccurate betting line um, this week. You know, I'm just going to break down the whole card and you can go on my terminology and on my breakdowns and you can guess what the most inaccurate betting line on the card is going to be. So for that reason, as I'm breaking down the full card, it's n the breakdowns are not going to be as in-depth as they usually are. You know, if, if you're a regular podcast listener, you will know that I go in-depth usually on these fights. Um, you know, I'll speak from anywhere from 15, 20 minutes on one fight, you know, 10 to 15 minutes on one fight. But it's going to be a lot shorter than that today because I don't want to be on, I don't want to be going live for three hours and a lot of these fights, I don't have a huge opinion on anyway. So um, it's not going to be maybe as in-depth as usual, but I'm going to be breaking down every card, uh, every fight. There's 13 fights on this card, so we'll get straight into it. Um, yeah, let's get it. It's um, it's a good card, and it's kicking off with a Dana White's Contender Series fighter in Victor Altamirano, and he's fighting Daniel De Silva who kind of fits the mold for a contender series fighter because um, he was getting loads of finishes on the regional scene and he comes into the UFC and he gets finished twice in a row. You know, we see that happen often where these fighters come in from contender series. They're getting tons of finishes on a regional scene and then they finally come into the big leagues, the, uh, the UFC, and they lose a few matches, right? Even as big favorites. Um, that's kind of what's happened to Daniel De Silva here, although he wasn't a favorite in his fight. Although I think his last fight against Francisco Figueiredo, he was like a slight favorite. Um, we'll speak about Daniel De Silva first, right? He's a very dynamic guy. What he'll do is spin kicks, um, flying knees. <clears throat> he will take your back out of nowhere. So he'll have you clinched up against the cage and he'll just jump on your back. So that's what I mean by dynamic, right? He won't throw your usual strikes. Obviously, he will throw them too, but you know, the jab, the leg kick. He's more of a dynamic type fighter. And that lends itself to him getting dynamic finishes. You know, I've seen him get quite a few chokes um, on the regional scene, uh, submissions. I've seen him get head kick knockouts. I've seen him hurt people with spinning back kicks. So he's a fight you have to be careful with if you're fighting him. But he's also a fighter that leaves himself open to being countered, you know, similar to Ode Osborne in a way. There's obviously differences, but Ode Osborne popped into my mind because he's a dynamic fighter as well, right? He'll throw flying knees. He'll throw high kicks. He'll kind of he'll throw Superman punches, you know, stuff like where he leaps into range. And a lot of times you get countered when you throw them strikes. 
which is what happened to Ole Osborne last weekend, right? Or the weekend before. He got, no, it was last weekend, right? He got countered by um, Tyson Nam. I think it was the first fight of the evening, first or second fight. For a flying knee, got countered. And that is what can happen to Daniel Tazilva. You know, he is kind of, he is that type of fighter where he looks like a bit of a, bit of a cannon, but he's also a bit of a glass cannon just because we have seen him finished in his two UFC fights so far. You know, he's been finished in 100% of his UFC fights. And that style where they're just crazy fighters, spinning back kicks, flying knees, oftentimes you do see those guys getting finished, um, just like Odell's been on the weekend. So, look, he's a dangerous guy, but I don't think he's going to have too much success in the UFC unless he's getting these early knockouts, um, early finishes. He's just not a type of fighter that has shown any competency going 15 minutes and fighting at a, a good pace or fighting at any type of fighting in any type of way that leads me to believe that he's going to be able to win minutes in matchups. And, you know, we speak about winning minutes awfully and uh, often, oftenly, oftenly. It's a word, right? Oftenly. I believe it's a word. I'm, I'm going to coin it as a word if it's not. I don't think it's a word. Anyway, um, we've seen people speak oftenly about winning minutes, right? Um, it's very common in MMA Twitter betting sphere. Uh, and I believe there's a good reason for it to be common, right? So people speak about if a fighter can win minutes dur during the course of a 15 or a 25-minute matchup. And the reason they speak about that is because oftentimes knockouts don't come, you know? Oftentimes finishes don't come. And if you're a fighter who relies on finishes or big moments, you can let the fight slip away. And if you don't get that knockout, you end up losing. You know, someone who's an example of a fighter who kind of needs big moments, and by the way, he gets them almost all the time, is uh, Marlon Chito Vera. But he he's a bit of an outlier because he's at the pinnacle of the sport, right? So he gives rounds away, right? It's oft, often he will lose rounds against fighter who are, fighters who are not really on his level. But he conserves himself, you know, he downloads data, and he usually gets to finish all those big moments. So he usually does win most of his fights, right? But not everybody is on the level of Marlon Vera. So if you're a type of fighter who's a little bit wild, who's kind of relying on knockouts, early submissions, early knockouts, a lot of times when you get to the UFC level or fight fighters on your level, you're just going to end up losing decisions, you know, or getting finished yourself if, you don't, if you're not very durable. And that's what I kind of feel like Daniel De Silva is, right? I think he's one of these guys who he's always going to be live for the knockout against anyone he fights. Um, you know, I think he caught Jeff Molina with a pretty solid spinning back kick at one point. Um, but then he just wilted, right? So I don't like to bet on these type of fighters. I really don't. One way I do like to bet on these type of fighters is when you are playing the inside the distance prop. Someone like Daniel De Silva, right? The dude, I don't think he's been to decision. Um, he hasn't been to decision <clears throat> much if he ever has been to decision. You know, there are a few... Um, we'll check Sherdog as well. But there are a few... Fights on his record, which are not showing how the fights ended. They're just showing as wins. Um, that's on topology. But, you know, if I do a little bit of digging, I can see that. I, I can see the results of those fights. So if we just um, scroll down a little bit and we go to, what's this guy? This is not the guy. Um Yeah, so it, so it's not loading right now, but on um, on Tapology, it shows that he has never been to decision, Daniel De Silva, right? And that is the type of fighter he is, as I've mentioned. So these type of fighters, they can get early knockouts. They got spinning back kicks, flying knees. They don't go to decision. What do you do? You bet don't go to decision. In his first fight, Jeff against Jeff Molina in the UFC, I bet does not go to decision. In his second fight against Francisco Figueredo, I bet does not go to decision. I got about minus 110 both times, right? And both times they cashed easily, honestly. Um, and I am going to be betting that again this weekend because his opponent is not necessarily an out-and-out -out finisher, but I just feel like Daniel De Silva is a killer-be-killed fighter. And, you know, we'll see how it goes this weekend. Um, 
So yeah, speaking about his opponent, Victor Altamirano, he is a contender series guy, right? So he had that fight against Carlos Candelario, which he won on contender series, but it was pretty controversial. It was the first time in UFC history where Dana White signed um, two fighters in the same fight coming off the uh, contender series, right? Dana White's never done that before. He usually only signs the winner or passes on the winner. He actually signed the winner and the loser in this fight, right? It was a good fight. It was a back and forth fight. Could have gone either way. Most people scored it for Candelario. It was awarded to Altamirano. Um, Altamirano. He's a good fighter. He's got good volume, uh, high kicks. His pace is decent. He's a much more put-together fighter than Daniel De Silva, right? I think that if this fight goes to decision, Altamirano is going to be the one that wins minutes for sure. I also think Altamirano has finishing upside here. He hasn't got finishes in his two UFC fights or under the UFC banner. But if you go back to the regional scene, he's got a decent amount of finishes, and most of them are by submission. Um, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to um, break this down pretty pretty basically, right? I believe that this fight finishes inside the distance. So if you're looking to play it from a betting angle, um, ITD is pretty solid. You know, fight ends inside the distance. Fight doesn't go to decision. Under 2.5 rounds. All of that stuff is pretty solid. <clears throat> it has been bet down a little bit now. Um, but you can still get at a decent price. So I still feel like, you know, minus 155, it, it's pretty much value, right? So I'm only playing that myself. In terms of a winner, I'll say Altamirano finishes him just because Daniel De Silva has shown not, basically nothing at the UFC level and put himself in that knee bar pretty poorly against Figueredo. Although Figueredo has shown a decent knee bar, you know, I remember him uh, almost locking up on Malcolm Gordon. But look, I haven't really seen much out of Daniel De Silva to tell me he's going to come in here and win a UFC fight because I do think Altamirano is UFC level. Um, so yeah, we're going to take Altamirano for, for the for the win but honestly I, I i have no confidence in that um i just feel like inside the distance is the play if you want to play any bet on this type of fight so i'm probably going to um slow it i'm probably going to slow it down a little bit in my um sorry i'm going to probably speed it up a little bit in my breakdowns because like usual i broke that one down a little bit more than i wanted to um so, yeah, the next fight we have is Arichi Lang versus Jay Perrin. Just want to address some of the chat here. Shout out to Big Steve. Um, he's giving me $5 Australian for my bills. That'll do well because I'm in Australia right now, so I don't have to convert the currency or anything. That can go straight to the bills. So I appreciate that uh, very much, Big Steve. Hopefully we can give you some good bets or give you some good angles to attack this card on that can... Um, that can make you back that $5. Uh, a few other people in the chat right now saying, this guy's asking, what fight am I talking about? Yes, I was speaking about the Silver Atomarano fight. Uh, Liam picks fights. Everybody can go follow Liam if you don't. He makes a lot of content. Um, actually, was just doing a con content piece earlier with Narco Cobb and Dana White's Contender Series. So, yeah, Danny P is saying that under open that plus 160. You won't see that in the UK. Nah, never see that in the UK. You know, that's, that's up to the... Um, mostly to the American books. So, yeah, so I'm going to get straight into the next fight, Arichi Lang versus Jay Perrin. And you know what, guys? I've got to apologize because this is the only fight on the 13 fight card that I didn't do tape for or I haven't done tape yet for. So I'm actually going to have to skip that one um, because, honestly, I do not know much about this Jay Perrin dude. Uh, he obviously had that fight against Bautista earlier in the year. From what I remember, he outperformed his... From what I remember, he outperformed his price tag there. I think he was like plus 300, but he, I think he did okay. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't have an opinion because I don't know much about this Jay Perrin dude. Now, Richie Lang, give you a quick breakdown on him. He's a, he's a good fighter. You know, I actually think he's a decent fighter. Um, you know, he was taken down multiple times by Cody Durden, but he was able to get back up and make it a close fight, even that Jeff Molina fight. That was a close fight. It was kind of back and forth. And then the Cameron Else fight, that was one of my biggest bets um, of the year. I, I Extremely a lot of money on that fight. I had the under 1.5 rounds, which they put a plus money, which is crazy. I had the under 2.5 rounds. Um, I had Irichi Lang by TKO, and I had the fight doesn't go to decision. So I ha had that uh, on multiple books in multiple different ways. And I won a lot of money on that. That was actually one of my big bets of the year, one of my biggest bets of the year. Um, because Cameron Else is kind of a killer-be-killed fighter, and 
he got killed in that fight. So, look, Arichi Lang is a good striker. Um, he does show some losses on the regional scene to fighters who are like three and three, nine and four. At the time, they fought him seven and 11, which is quite embarrassing. But I actually think he's improved since those fights. I don't really know. Like, honestly, looking at him now, kind of surprising he's losing to three and three guys or, or guys with losing records. But, you know, maybe he's improved since then. That was a good four years ago. So, yeah, so I, I'll give you, you know, a breakdown on how I think. I'll give you a breakdown on what I think about the fights, uh, about the fighters, especially Arichi Lang. But in terms of how this fight is going to go, because I'm not familiar with Parent, I can't really give you a um, concrete breakdown. But maybe I'll do something on Twitter when when I do do the tape, which probably will be in the next few days. <clears throat> a fight I can give you a good breakdown on is Amir Albazi versus Francisco Figueiredo. And that's the next fight here. Ah, got my blackcurrant and bl blueberry tea here. As you can probably tell by my voice, <clears throat> a little bit sick, <clears throat> a little bit out of it. So I've got my tea to help me um, help me go here, but I'm going to try to break down as much as possible. The energy level isn't really there for me right now, to be honest. But at the end of the day, as long as I put the content out, I'm happy. And that's what most people are happy with. So I'm getting it done today. And yeah, as I said, Albazi versus Francisco Figueredo. I think this is going to be a good fight, you know. Um, obviously, Amel Albazi is coming in right now. A, a massive, massive favorite. He's like minus 450. He's a good fighter, though. Amel Albazi is a solid fighter. You know, we've seen in his UFC run that he's he's been solid. You know, he dominated Malcolm Gordon, hurt him on the feet, triangle choked him there. Malcolm Gordon is a type of fighter which you can dominate, though. You can knock him out, finish him early. But at the end of the day... We saw what Malcolm Gordon did with Francisco Figueiredo. Close fight. So shout out to Amo Obazi because Malcolm Gordon is a little bit laughed at in the UFC, a little bit underrated. Um, but Amo Obazi done work on him. So that was a decent win there. He did come in as a minus 150 favorite and he looked all of that price tag. Then he was at even money. You know, he, he was even money. Minus 120, minus 110 against Zaga Zumagulov. And he, he won against Zamagulov. You know, it was a close fight because Zamagulov's one of those fighters where won't really, it's kind of hard to look super good against Zalga Zamagulov just because of the way he fights. <clears throat> you know, most of his fights go to decision. Obviously, Manuel Cape did knock him out, but <clears throat> if you're not knocking him out, it's kind of hard to look really good against him. But Almir Albazi did decent. Um, I don't think he ran through him, but he looked pretty solid. Um, look, he's a good fighter. He'll come through with a lot of pressure, except for if he's fighting Jose Shotty Torres, because that's his only loss. And um, that he was actually out pressured in that fight. But most of the time, he's going to put a lot of pressure on you. He's going to take the center of the cage. His striking's decent, but where he really excels is in the grappling, you know. Um, his wrestling is okay, but his jiu-jitsu seems very solid. You know, he's got multiple submissions on his record. He's already got a submission in the UFC. Um, if he takes the back... It's dangerous. You know, I saw him take the back of Josie, Jose Shorty Torres in his only loss. And he was a, he was able to um, win that round when he took the back, you know. So Jose Torres is a good fighter. Um, I think he's actually... Has he been signed to the UFC? No, I'm, I'm thinking of Taylor Lapalus. I think he's been signed to the UFC. But look, he's, he's a good fighter. Um, obviously, uh, he was in the UFC before Jose Torres. That's what I remember. He's a good fighter, and it was the only fighter able to defeat Amir Albazi. But even at, even when, um, but even in that fight, you know, Albazi took his back at one point. I believe it was the second round, and basically stayed on his round for the whole time, and won the fight. Uh, sorry, won the round. You know, so even in a fight where he's outmatched, which he was in that fight, because the striking and the pressure of Jose Torres in the wrestling was, you know, he was he outmatched Amir Albazi. But even in that fight, Albazi made it close with a 29-28. You know, he still took a whole round just because of that takedown and, and that back take. So you have to be careful when you're fighting Almeida Albazi because he can take you back at any point. And I am a little bit worried about that in this fight because Francisco Figueredo will give up takedowns. You know, we saw him give up multiple takedowns against Malcolm Gordon there. Um, and even against Daniel De Silva, you know, that fight ended in one minute and 20 seconds, but he got taken down in that fight, right? So look, I think the takedowns are going to be there for Almeida Albazi. And I think he's going to get the win. But look, I wouldn't be laying minus 450, um, minus 400. It's just really hard for me 
to get to that type of price tag when a fight's not really one-sided, you know, or a fighter isn't going to win the fight everywhere it goes. Um, which Amit Albazi might do, right? He might win the fight everywhere it goes. But for me to get to minus 400, it's going to take more than Amit Albazi's skill set, honestly, against Francisco Figueredo. I, I don't think Figueredo's bad, you know? Like, he gets laughed upon a little bit because he's the younger brother of um, Davison Figueredo. And he's obviously, um, I don't know if he's the younger brother, but he's the brother of Davison Figueredo. I think he is the younger brother. And obviously, Figgy, you know, he is the fighter of the two. You know, he's the best fighter. So he kind of gets looked down upon because he's like, oh, this is the shit brother. But he's a decent fighter, in my opinion. You know, he's not bad. Like, he's he's not that bad. He's decent on the feet. You know, he's he's nicknamed the sniper. He will snipe you. He's got good punches down the, um, down, down the middle, good one-twos, good body kick. Uh, his grappling is all right. We saw him get a submission in his last fight. I don't think he's a terrible fighter. And so in this matchup, <clears throat> I can't be laying minus 400 out on Amir Albazi. But I do think Albazi will take it. And he'll probably take it with relative ease. It'll probably be kind of close on the feet. But then he just takes the fight to the ground. And then he's able to dominate on top. Similar to what Malcolm Gordon did, you know. Although I do think he's a lot better than Malcolm Gordon on the ground. Which was proven in their fight when Albazi got that... Um, <laughs> that first round finish. So yeah, Albazi for the win in that one. All right, we got um AJ Fletcher versus Angelusa in the in the next fight. And this is a fight where I don't have a strong read on it, man. So I watched a lot of tape for this fight and I still came away with kind of an iffy read, you know, or, or or my read was that I think the fight could potentially be close, right? And you don't really want to be betting on fights that could potentially be close when the lines are fairly close, which is what they are, you know. AJ Fletcher's minus 160 and Angelus is plus 130. You know, the lines are fairly close. I don't really want to get involved in, in, in any betting in this fight. If Angelusa keeps on blowing out, you know, then I kind of forced to take the shot on it. But I basically see the fight breaking down as AJ Fletcher wants to get the fight to the ground, right? He's pretty dynamic on the feet. You know, he'll throw spinning kicks. Like I said, he'll throw flying knees. He obviously got that great flying knee knockout on the contender series. Um, but in my opinion, his striking is kind of low percentage in terms of if he's going to get the finish or not, right? Those flying knees don't come too often. It was a great show for him on the contender series, but they don't come too often. He wants to get the fight on the ground in my opinion, because he's got very good top control. You know, he's got good takedowns and very good top control. Um, we saw him dominate Matt Semmelsberger in that first round. A few people were calling for a 10-8. And then in round two and three, he gassed out. But honestly, he fought, he fought strong even when he was gassed out. You know, it was still a close fight. And the dude was basically completely gassed. So we know he's got good heart. We know he can fight tired. Um, we know he's got good top control. We know he's got good takedowns. And pretty dynamic striking. I mean, the guy is a good fighter. You know, I do think he's a good fighter. But if he doesn't get the takedowns, his striking, I don't think it's a very well put together game. You know, like I don't think that AJ Fletcher striking ability is the type of fight that's going to, or is the type of ability that's going to win him fights, right? I don't think he's going to win fights on his striking. He might get knockouts from his striking, like on the contender series, he might have big moments from his striking. But when you're talking about a 15-minute fight on the feet, I think he's usually going to get outworked because his striking, it isn't a very well put-together, cohesive game. It's more of a random, flying knee, one-punch type game, which is okay for AJ Fletcher because he can parlay that into his wrestling ability, which I do think is pretty well put together and pretty solid. He chain wrestles, uh, and and he finds the back pretty well, and he finds mount pretty well, and his transitions are pretty slick. So he's a good submission artist. Um, so I think that his striking complements his grappling. You know, he he has enough striking that he needs to where he can get his grappling game going. But in terms of just striking, I don't think it's that good over a 15-minute period. So then we look on the Angelusa side and we go, okay, when we break this fight down, we go, all right, since you don't think AJ Fletcher is that good over a 15-minute 15, 15 striking bout, is he going to be able to get the takedowns here? 
I don't know if he is. Ange Lusa has great takedown defense, and he's a motherfucker in terms of his strength and his raw ability, like his raw power, um, takedown defense, athleticism, you know, everything that goes into making you a good takedown defense artist, Ange Lusa has it. You know, I don't rate Ange Lusa too highly. Uh, one of my most, one of my favorite bets that I've ever done was on his contender series fight. I bet Jack Della Maddalena <coughs> via decision <coughs> at plus 500 there. Um, that was one of my favorite bets. I knew Angelusa was so tough. Jack Cat was coming in, um, I think he was like 10 and 10 and 2, 9 and 2. All his finishes had been inside the distance. And I bet on him to win via decision first time in his career. And he hasn't done it in his two fights after that. You know, he's finished Ramazan Amiv and um and Rodriguez dude, I think it was. Um, that's the only fight that he did win via decision. I just thought that he would out class Angelusa, but I just knew that Angelusa was extremely tough, right? So I think Angelusa is a tough guy. And I also think that in this matchup, it's going to be interesting because I'm not 100% sure whether AJ Fletcher is going to be able to get the takedowns. And if he does get the takedowns, I'm not 100% sure whether he's going to be able to keep um, keep uh, Ange on the ground. You know, I went and done extreme amounts of tape on Angelusa to find out his takedown defense. I watched Angelusa's last six fights, I believe. So I watched the Manel Lezez fight. I watched the John Howard fight, Jack Della Maddalena fight, Colin Lubert's fight, Jonathan Thompson fight, and Rustin Kasanov fight. I never do that. I never watch that much tape. The reason I had to is because I couldn't see a fight where someone was taking Angelusa down. I think I've seen him get taken down like a grand total of three times over six fights, you know, and they all went to decision except for one. So we're talking like, we're talking, what's that? We're talking over an hour of fight time and he got taken down three times. And not once did he get grounded. Over an hour of fight time, people tried to take him down. They just couldn't. Or if they did take him down, they couldn't They couldn't keep him on the ground. So honestly, from what I can see, Angelus has great takedown defense, great hips, very strong. Um, I don't know if AJ Fletcher is going to be able to just take him down and dominate here. And if he doesn't, then how is the fight going to look? Because we saw what happens when he can't dominate someone completely. I mean, he gassed out in that Matt Sommersberger fight. And honestly, Matt Sommersberger was making him work from the ground, but it wasn't like insane or anything. Like he was able to keep top control. It's not like Matt Sommersberger kept getting back to his feet and then AJ Fletcher kept having to shoot, which is a lot more grueling than just staying in guard and someone's, you know, working and putting their, their feet on your hips and working butterfly guard and stuff like that. It's more grueling if someone's getting up and you're consistently trying to drag them back down again, right? So he gassed out from guard, basically, from playing top uh, position. Basically, you know, Semmelsberger did roll out a few times and he was able to get back um, top control via via, via um, guillotines and stuff like that. But I don't really trust AJ Fletcher's cardio, but we do know that he fights strong. So, yeah, it's a hard one for this one. You know, honestly, I, I wouldn't be betting AJ Fletcher here, although I'd probably take him for the win. I just think he's a much better fighter. I think his skill set is a lot higher. But in terms of this specific matchup, it's just a tough one because I don't think he's going to be able to ground Ange Lusa, and I think he kind of needs to be able to do that in order to, you know, win the fight cleanly. So, yeah, um, I'll say AJ Fletcher gets the win. I'll say he gets the win via decision because, as I said, Ange is a very tough person. Um, AJ Fletcher probably is able to get the takedowns in. But look, man, I'm not going to elaborate too much on why I think AJ Fletcher is going to get the win or anything. I've just spoke for 10 minutes on this fight. It's going to be a close fight. And probably he's going to be able to stop the takedowns for a lot of time. It could definitely get close. If the line blows out anymore, I'll be taking Angelusa, honestly. Um, maybe if he gets to like plus 160. But I, it probably won't because it's plus 130 now. Decent amount has to happen for it to get to plus 160. So I don't know if it will. But if it does, I might be on it myself. Um we got Danny P saying Lucebuff is his first bet at plus 140. It flipped the line personally. He can't see AJ having my success in the grappling. Yeah. Look, I, yeah, I understand it. I understand it. Um, so, yeah. We've got Miranda Maverick versus Shaney Young is the next fight here. And look, I don't know why they're doing this fight. Um, Miranda Maverick already, already fought Shaney Young on, on the regional scene in Invicta. She finished her in the first round, um, took the fight to the ground, was able to get a quick submission. Uh, honestly, think she's probably going to do it again. 
Miranda Maverick is better everywhere. I think she does justify her line here. I've already said that. I mean, Albazi, the line's probably a bit too wide in terms of I, I can't be laying minus 400 here. Um, I already said that AJ Fletcher, probably, you know, the line's wide there a little bit. Can't be laying minus 160 on him. But this is the time where I do agree with the line. I do think she should be minus 450, minus 500. I think she's um, got Shaney Young unmatched everywhere. I think she wins on the feet cleanly. I think she wins in the grappling cleanly. Um, Miranda Maverick's going to win this fight, and I think she's going to do it inside the distance, just as she did once before. Nothing more to say on that fight. Nothing more needs to be said. Then we've got um, Sean Woodson versus Luis Saldana. And again, we've got a massive, massive favorite. Sean Woodson coming in as a minus 350 favorite. Luis Saldana can be had for about plus 250. Look, again, I, I don't agree with the line. Like, I don't really see how you can get to minus 350 for Sean Woodson. Do I think Sean is going to win? Sure, I think Sean is going to win. But he's not that great. Like, I mean, gosh, man. I mean, he's a good fighter. But in this fight, he's fighting a fighter who is going to stand on the outside do spin kicks and is going to oblige in a outside kickboxing fight, right? Which Sean Woodson kind of lets happen. Now, Sean is a little bit more of a pressure fighter than Saldana, for example, um, because Sean does like his boxing. You know, Sean is a boxer by trade. I believe he has some pro boxing fights. It's not on his topology, but I'm pretty sure I've, I've heard that before. Um, so Sean, you know, he will pressure a little bit more, which is quite funny because he has... Um, probably the biggest reach in the entire division. He's six foot three. His body looks crazy for the featherweight division. You know, it's kind of unheard of to be six foot three and be in the featherweight division. Um, but in this matchup, he is the one that pressures more, you know, which is most of the time not the case because, as I said, Sean Woodson, long reach. He's usually the one on the outside, kicks, jabs. Um, but I just think in this fight, it's going to be like a fight where both fighters are kind of playing the outside and it's going to be pitter power. I think Saldana has better kicks, but Saldana kind of has terrible cardio. He basically gasses in every single fight. Um, his body language isn't that good in every single fight. But <clears throat> if you're talking about a fight where it's probably going to be an outside range fight, unless Sean Woodson just closes closes that, that range consistently, which I, I don't see him doing. I don't think he's just going to pressure... Saldana up against the cage and stuff like that, which is kind of what I feel like is the optimal style to beat Luis Saldana. You pressure him up against the cage. Um, you hit him with heavy shots. You knee him in the body. That's how you beat Luis Saldana easily, right? It's not by standing on the outside and, you know, striking with him, you know, blow for blow, which I think is what Sean Woodson's going to do here. Now, as I said, I understand Sean Woodson being a favorite and I am picking him to win. Because, like I said, Saldana gasses in every single fight and his body language is terrible. So it's not a type of fight you want to bet on. But we're talking about a minus 350 and a plus 250 here. So, look, I think the value is on Saldana if there is any. Um, no shame in passing on the fight. Uh, I just believe that Sean Woodson doesn't present the style to, to, to optimally beat Luis Saldana. I think he, he presents the style that will give Saldana some chances. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Saldana wins the first round here at all. And then you've got a plus 250 who's won the first round and he just needs to win one more round to win the fight if he doesn't get finished. But it is going to be hard to win the second or third round because of, you know, how much he gasses. But at the end of the day, did win a decision against Jordan Griffin, although he didn't deserve that decision. Did win a decision in his last fight against Bruno Souza. Did get a finish in round three on his contender series. So I don't know, man. Um, look, I, I think that Sean Woodson's going to win this fight. But just stylistically, I have no, no want to play him at minus, 250, minus 350. And I, I guess there is some value on Saldana there. Um, yeah, so I take Sean Woodson but, but via decision, but... Man, it's it's not 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 a uh, bet that I would be wanting to place. The next fight we've got is Lucy Pudilova versus Yanam Wu. And honestly, guys, I couldn't give a fuck about this fight. Um, and the reason is because I don't really have a great read on it. 
Like I'll watch tape and oftentimes within two, three fights, I'll kind of know whether I'm going to have a read or not. Now, sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I think I'm going to have a read and then I don't. Sometimes I don't think I'm going to have a read. Then after a few more fights, I do. But I watched a few of these girls' fights and instantly I was like, yeah, it's going to be a close fight. I don't fucking know who's going to win. Um, and that's all I have to say here. I mean, I don't know who's going to win. Uh, Pudalova, obviously, is her second stint in the UFC. She got smashed in her first stint. She went two and or she went two and six. Um, two and five, actually, she went, which is not great, you know. She lost four of her last fights, four fights in a row before she got cut. Um, she didn't look great in those fights. Got finished by Antonina Shevchenko on the ground, which is never a good look. Then she went back to the regional scene and basically won every single fight, except for one, and she got the callback. And she's fighting Yana Muhir. Guys, uh, man, I don't care about this fight. Um, Pudilova's probably got better boxing. Yana has probably got better kicks. Yana Mu probably has better volume. Um, both fighters have shown their tendency to go for takedowns. Pudilova is showing almost no takedowns in a UFC or landing no takedowns, but she shot six against Antonina Shevchenko. And if you actually go and watch her reach recent fights on the regional scene, um, she actually does shoot takedowns. So she shoots more takedowns than she's shown in the UFC. So maybe she's adapting her game. Yanan Wu doesn't look good on the ground at all. Um, anybody can win this fight. I've got no idea who's going to win it um, next. So the next fight we have is Jared Gordon versus Leonardo Santos. And this, this fight I do care about, you know, because um, not only do I care about it slightly from a betting perspective, but also from an entertainment perspective, because Leonardo Santos is, you know, he, he's been in two good fights in his last two fights. You know, that Clay Guida fight was a legendary fight. I cashed on Clay Guida at plus 180 there. So shout out to Clay because he was completely done in that fight. He ended up coming back and getting the finish in the second round. Um, Leonardo Santos, right, he's 42 years of age. So he's extremely old for MMA and extremely old for a lighter division in MMA, which is what it is, um, <clears throat> which is uh, lightweight, right? He's a lightweight, and usually you don't see lightweights up at 42. If someone's 42, they're most likely a heavyweight, right? But not Leonardo Santos. The dude's been fighting forever. Um, before his last two losses, which he has lost two in a row, he went undefeated in the UFC for like nine years. Um, but he would only fight like once a year, if that. I think he took like three-year break at one point. Hey, look, he's got good power. His striking is decent. Um, good front kick. He's, he's got solid power. That's one thing I say about him. He's got very solid power and very good takedown defense. You know, that's kind of what his game is. Great power and great takedown defense. So you can't take him down, you get knocked out on the feet. That's kind of what his game is. You know, he's got knockouts over Stevie Ray. We saw what Stevie Ray's been doing in the PFL over Pettis recently. He's got knockouts over um, Kevin Lee, who, you know, another good fighter uh, once upon a time in the UFC. Antona, Anthony, Rocchio, uh, Anthony Rocco Martin, who's, you know, a decent mid-fighter in the UFC. So, you know, he's fought some names. He's beat some names. Um, Senos is a decent fighter. About 42 years old, it's going to be a tough ask going against someone like Jared Gordon, who does bring that pace, does bring that pressure. And one thing we know about Leonardo Santos, he can't break under the pace and pressure. His body language doesn't look good after the seven and a half minute mark. You know, once he gets over 1.5 rounds, he looks to be gassed. I um, wouldn't be surprised if Santos wins the first round, but second and third round is going to be extremely hard to win against someone like Jared Gordon. But he does have that equalizer, right? He has that power. He can knock you out at any time. I have to be honest, guys. This is another line which I don't really agree with. I mean, minus 330 on Jared Gordon, it's just it's a huge line. You know, you can get plus 250 on Leonardo Santos on most books. Um, on the majority of bookies, Leonardo Santos is plus 250. I just I just can't get behind the line. Um, I think Leonardo Santos has the power upside. He has the finishing, you know, the early finishing upside for sure. And Jared Gordon bases a lot of his game around takedowns, and I don't really necessarily see him getting multiple takedowns in this fight. So, look, I do think that Jared Gordon's youth, his pace, his pressure, his eagerness, his hungriness, his youthness will get him over the line here, probably a second or third round finish um, after Santos gasses out, much like the um, Clay Guida fight. But, look, at the end of the day, in an alternate universe, Leonardo Santos is coming off the first round knockout of Clay Guida. 
and is probably like maybe plus 150 here, you know, plus 160, 70. And now he's plus 250. So, look, I, I think there's some value on Leonardo Santos. But, again, I am going to take Jared Gordon for the win. He is minus 330. I don't see how you can make him that. But if you want to make him a minus 200, minus 180, yeah, be my guest. You know, So I do favor him. Um, I'm picking Jared Gordon for the second or third round knockout. But, God, in terms of the betting line, give me some Santos. I won't really mind taking some Santos. And I probably will take him myself. The next fight we have is Tyson Pedro versus the GOAT. Harry Hunt sucker making his UFC light heavyweight debut. This is the fight we've all been waiting for. This is the debut we've all been waiting for. He's making his light heavyweight debut. I can't wait for this fight. Um, <coughs> Tyson Pedro honestly should like send him into another dimension. Um, I mean, it's hilarious because Hunt sucker in his entire career has never been over 1.5 rounds. And the under 1.5 rounds is like minus 400. So it's, it's such an insane line. I mean, I don't know when we've seen under 1.5 round set at minus 400 before, you know. It's probably been a long, long time since we've seen that type of line. I'm not sure what Lewis versus Pavlovich was sent, set at, but God, <clears throat> minus 400, it's a bit steep, you know. <laughs> but honestly, you probably can say that this fight finishes inside seven and a half minutes 90 percent of the time the line maybe should be minus 100 uh minus 900 honestly the only pause i would have is that hansaka's moving down that adds some extra variance who knows how he fights a light heavyweight might be different um and tyson pedro in his last fight did fight extremely patient more patient than he usually does so you know again um that's my only hesitation in the under 1.5, but I do think it gets there, of course. Um, look, Pedro should dominate here. Uh, I don't have too much to say about this fight. Harry Hansucker's not UFC level. He's never been UFC level. Um, he's been finished by any UFC level fighter he's ever fought. Um, Tyson Pedro's probably the best fighter he's ever fought other than Taito Avassa. You know, I'll rate Tyson Pedro higher than Justin Tuffer and Jared Vandera. Um, Tyson Pedro... He's a decent fighter, not a very good nail, but he's a pretty good hammer. Um, got a lot of early finishes himself. I, th I think he gets a leg kick TKO here. It doesn't look like Harry Hansucker is good at um, taking leg kicks, and Tyson Pedro is he's very good at leg kicks. You know, uh, We saw in his last fight and in his previous fight. So, yeah, I'm taking Tyson Pedro for the first round finish here. It's minus 200 to finish in the first round, so not a hot take here from me. Um, the next fight we have is Marcin Tybora. And we're getting through these now, guys. We, we're getting through these, which is good. Um, we're on the main card now. Second fight in the main card. Marcin Tybora versus Alexander Romanov. Guys, again, another another line which I can't really get behind. Look, is Romanov probably going to go out there and smash him? Yeah, okay, probably. Um, he's minus 400, minus 450, minus 500 in some places. Um Tybora can be had for as big as plus 395. So, I mean, the line is just, I don't know, it's a bit crazy. I mean, obviously Romanov is great at takedowns and he's got good top, con he, he's very aggressive from top, you know, and he's got good finishing ability, but his cardio looks suspect. We saw that in a Juan Espino fight. Um, his striking suspect, we've seen that in every fight. Uh, he's kind of just a bull rush takedown guy. And there's not much more to his game, you know. Tybora is a UFC veteran. He's been in this game for multiple, multiple years. Um, he's fought the who's who in the heavyweight division. You know, you go back far as Fabricio Verdum, you know. He's fought Fabricio Verdum back in the day. You know, he used to fight an M1, which is another solid Russian promotion. I mean, he's, he's fought everybody at the end of the day, like in, in the heavyweight division, you know. Not, not the super upper echelon. <clears throat> but he's fought so many people. He's fought Alexander Volkov. He's, he's dealt, dealt with every style in the game. Um, he has dealt with a takedown style. You know, Sergei Spivak is a takedown fighter who actually shot one takedown against Marcin Tabora, which is quite funny. Shamil Abdurakimov shot three takedowns against him, was able to defend those. Um, Fabrizio Vadum got him on the ground and, you know, was kind of dominating from top position, but wasn't able to get him out of there. Uh, I think at one point... Um, 
Tybora did get up from that. So look, at the end of the day, Tybora is an absolute veteran. You know, he's been in the game for multiple years. He's fought fighters that wanted to take him down before. He's never fought anyone like Romanov, never fought a crazy um, marauding takedown artist. But in terms of the line, guys, I can't get behind Romanov minus 500. Um, the, the values on Marcin Tybora here. Again, I think this fight is closer to a Romanov minus 200, you know, Romanov minus 180, just because I guess he probably will get the takedowns. But yeah, I mean, not, not too much to say about this fight, guys. I think I think that um, Tybora is value at his current line. And that's really all I have to say about it. Um, I don't have a huge opinion on how the fight's going to go exactly. Um, but like someone's saying in the chat, Romanov will probably shit in your apple pie. Do not parlay this guy. Yeah, don't parlay Romanov at minus five hundred, guys. Honestly, don't parlay any of the, Don't parlay any of these guys. I don't think this is a parlay card. Now, are parlays going to hit? Of course, because you're getting minus five hundred lines across the board. Minus four hundred lines. So a lot of those fighters will win, right? They will win. But in my opinion, a lot of those lines are also wide. So if there's no value on the line, you can't play the line. So although they may win, they also may not. You know, they won't win as many times as the odds indicate. So maybe this time, this weekend, is one of those times where they don't win as many times as the odds indicate and your apple pie does get shit on. Word to Cody Seftich. Um, so yeah, that's all I have to say about that, guys. I do think there's some value on uh, Marcin Tybora there. And now we're getting into the three last fights on the card, which are all of them I'm extremely looking forward to. This fight I may be looking forward to the most. We've got Jose Aldo versus Marab the Valishvili. This is a great fight. Jose Aldo has been fighting the very best. The cream of the crop um, his entire career. I mean, the dude never gets an easy fight. Let's just go through his <coughs> his last fights. <coughs> mm. So we've got Rob Font, Pedro Munoz, Marlon Vera, Peter Yan, Marlon Marais, Alexander Volkanovsky, Renato Moicano, Jeremy Stevens, Max Holloway, Max Holloway, Frankie Edgar, Conor McGregor, Chad Mendes. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. Back to his WEC days when he's fighting the likes of <clears throat> um, Uriah Faber, uh, Cub Swanson, you know, and all of those type of fighters. He's been fighting the upper echelon his entire career. Uh, Marab Develishvili is on a great role. He's on a great streak. Um, I know a lot of people are on Jose Aldo here. I understand why, um, but there is a misconception in this fight, and I wanted to address it on the podcast, right? A lot of people, which I've been seeing on Twitter, um, have been saying that Jose Aldo has been fighting these type of fighters in his entire career. You know, Jose Aldo is a Muay Thai striker. Um, he's a striker. He's been fighting fighters that want to take him down his entire career. You know, he Marab is nothing new to him. That's a misconception. That's incorrect, in my opinion. I think people are misconstruing this fight. People are looking at Marab and going, oh, he's a wrestler. Jose Aldo's fought wrestlers entire career. Marab is not just a wrestler. Marab is a marauder. Marab is a machine. Marab is a cardio beast. He's not just a wrestler. He's not even a great wrestler. Marab has pretty poor top control. Look, he's a good wrestler. Sambo fire, you know, he's a good wrestler. But... He hasn't got great top control at all. Um, he takes fighters down and they get back up. No matter who he takes down, they get back up. Unless they're a completely gas Marlon Marais, right? <coughs> he hasn't got good top control. So he's not just this out-and-out -out wrestler who's going to take you down and grind you out, you know? Someone like, I don't know, Jacob Malkoon, you know? He's an out quintessential... Jason Witt, quintessential wrestler. Take you down, grind you out. Marab's not that type of fighter. Marab will take you down 15 times in a fight. Marab will shoot 30 takedowns in one fight. Marab will outpace you, outvolume you. Marab will throw 100 strikes at you on the feet. You know, Marab will head kick you and leg kick you and push kick you and then take you down. Jose Aldo has never fought anybody like that in his entire career. So yes, Jose Aldo has fought wrestlers his entire career. 
He's never fought a wrestler like Marab his entire career. Marab is a cardio wrestler, a cardio pace fighter. I wouldn't even call him a wrestler. He's a cardio pace fighter. You know, I've seen him... Uh, was it the Dodson fight where he only got two takedowns? You know, like... But he, I think he shot a lot more, but he's not this out-and-out typical wrestler that most people think he is against Aldo. I don't know why there's this misconception here, right? So... I do think Aldo is facing something new, facing something he's never fought before. And that's why I have some questions about whether Aldo is actually a good bet here. Look, I do think that Aldo is going to be able to defend a lot of takedowns from Marab Bevalishvili. But I don't think that that the takedowns are really going to win the fight from Marab Bevalishvili. I think if he's going to win the fight, it's going to be the pace. It's going to be the pressure. It's going to be the takedowns mixed in with the, the it's mainly the pace and the pressure. Right, So I think a lot of people are looking at this matchup and going, oh, Jose Aldo has 90% takedown defense. He's probably got the best takedown defense in, in, in the lighter weight classes in UFC history. Uh, Marab is a takedown guy. Marab's not going to be able to get the takedowns. Aldo's going to win. But I think that's a pretty simplistic way to look at it. You know, I think you should be looking at it like, can Aldo deal with the pace, the volume on the feet, the striking volume, and the pressure that Marab brings? Because that is a completely different question. And I believe that's a much harder question to answer. Um, yeah, man, it, it, it's, it's a tough fight, in my opinion. It's a tough fight to pick. I think minus 110 apiece, a pick and fight isn't incorrect. Um, yeah, it, it's tough for me, man. I think three round fight dramatically favors Aldo. You know, anytime Aldo is in a three round fight, it dramatically favors him. I don't think there's any fighter on the roster that a free round fight wouldn't favor him against. Uh, that you know a free a free round fight wouldn't be better for him, um, because as we know, especially under extreme pace and pressure, he can fold, he can fade. His cardio isn't what it once was. Look in this fight, I do think that he's going to be able to stop the takedowns for the most part, um, and I actually think Aldo via TKO is not a bad shot in this fight. Um, Aldo hits extremely hard. We know that. Marab takes shots quite often. Um, you know, Marab will get hurt. We've seen Marab hurt in his last fight dramatically. I've seen Marab hurt in other fights. Um, I've seen him rocked a couple of times. You know, not, not heavily rocked, but I've seen him catch a shot, a clean, clean shot. And we know if Aldo lands a clean shot, it might be good night. Um, look, overall, my prediction is going to be Aldo. I am going to say Aldo wins the fight. I'm going to say that his takedown defense holds up. I'm going to say that he has bigger moments on the feet that wins him the fight, kind of like his fight against Rob Font. You know, he got out volume there, but he still won the fight because he had big moments. I'm going to say that he's going to have big moments here, so he's going to win the fight. Um, but I'm not going to be betting this fight. In my opinion, this is a tough fight to call. In my opinion, it's kind of a lottery to know whether Jose Aldo will be able to deal with the pace. Um, and on the Marab side, it's like... Marab's never fought anyone at Jose Aldo's level. He's never fought anyone close, honestly. He did fight Marlon, but almost got killed in that fight. And Marlon is just completely washed at this point. Marlon has no chin and no cardio, so you can't take too much from that fight. So there's too many unknowns, um, or not even so many unknowns, but the unknowns that I see are too big to take a shot on the money line for me. Um, good luck if you bet an Aldo, because I know the whole world is on Aldo. And obviously, you can make it look easy here. Um but yeah, if there was an angle in this fight, I'd like to play Aldo by TKO. It's actually up at like plus 425 at the moment, which I think is a generous price. It's not too bad. Um, so look, I may get to that myself. But in terms of the money line, I'm not picking it. In terms of a prediction, I'll give you my prediction. Um, but it's going to be a damn good fight, and I'm really excited for it. The next fight we have is the co-main event of the evening. This is Paolo Costa versus Luke Rockhold. Um, Good fight. Uh, yeah, good fight. Um, when we're talking about big big underdogs, big favorites, this is actually a big favorite, which I kind of agree with. I mean, I, at this point, I think Luke Rockhold's washed. Um, I think his chin is washed, and you don't really want to have a poor chin coming again in against Paolo Costa now. Contrary to popular beef belief, pa Paolo Costa is not a one-punch knockout artist. Paolo Costa is a um, pressure fighter. He's a pace fighter. Um, he'll take the fight to the ground. Uh, so, sorry, no, he, he will um, 
take the fight to his opponent. You know, he will pressure his opponent, land heavy body shots. He loves going to the body, loves ripping to the body. We've seen that in his Uriah Hall fight. He was ripping to the body beautifully. Johnny Hendricks fight as well. Um, and eventually his pace will get to you and you'll kind of quit. But he still hits extremely hard. I mean, the dude is, you know, walking around at like 210 pounds, um, 225 pounds, fighting a 185. He's an absolute machine tank of a man. Of course he hits hard. Um, so he could definitely knock out Luke Rockhold here. Um, and I think he does just that, you know. Fighters who have taken multiple years off, who are 37 years age of age, do not do good in the UFC. We saw what happened to Gustafsson recently. Um, we saw what happened to Dominic Cruz recently. You know, this game is for the young fighters. This game is for the fighters on the come up. You know, this game is not for old fighters if, if they haven't been active regularly, right? And Rockhold isn't, you know. If you're an old fighter but you're constantly fighting, then sure, you're going to be in with a chance of beating young fighters. But if you haven't been competing and you're old, that's like the double, the double red flag for me. So <clears throat> I think Costa's going to go out here and knock out Luke Rockhold. And like, I don't, I'm not going to break this down anymore. Why would I break it down? I could tell you the potentials of what Rockhold could do in his prime. You know, he's got great top control, maybe gets him on the floor. I don't want to do that, guys. I'm just going to give you a pure prediction here. I, I, I just think Costa's going to come out here and knock him out in the first or second round, uh, just as Daz Files is saying here. TKO round one or two for Costa. Not much more to say, guys. <laughs> That's it, honestly. The next fight we have is Kamaru Usman versus Leon Edwards. This is the main event of the evening. Um, this is a great fight. Obviously, this is a rematch. We saw this fight happen once before under the UFC banner. That was um, a long, long time ago now. That was in 2015. So you're talking seven years ago. Um, both fighters have dramatically improved since then. But their games are fairly similar, you know. Um, even back then, contrary to popular belief, uh, Kamara Usman was a power puncher with a wrestling game. He's shown his power punching a little bit more lately. But even in that Leon Edwards fight, he cracked Leon Edwards a couple of times. He's always been a pressure fighter. He's always been a power puncher. Now, in his last couple of fights um, against Colby Covington and against Jorge Masvidal uh, and even against Gilbert Burns, we obviously saw his striking uh, quite a lot more. Um, but in this fight, he doesn't want to strike with Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is clearly the better striker. Although I do think Costa can... Uh, sorry, I do think Kamara... Uh, Usman can land a big shot on the feet. Um, but yeah, he doesn't want to strike with Edwards here. Edwards is a very clean, crisp striker. And I think that Kamara Usman will do what he did seven years ago. I think he will put that pace on Leon Edwards, put that pressure on Leon Edwards, get his back up against the cage, land heavy shots to the body, to the head, and grapple him, take him down. He got six takedowns in that fight. He doesn't usually get that many takedowns especially recently because he's more of a clinch fighter. He'll wear you out in a clinch up against the cage like he did to Tyron Woodley, like he did to George Masvidal. By the end of the day, the wrestling is in his back pocket. He can use his wrestling at any point. And I think in this fight, we're going to see the return to the wrestling game of Kamara Usman more than we have seen in his previous fights. You know, he fell in love with his hands a bit, knocked out Jorge Masvidal, had a box kickboxing match with Colby Covington, um, knocked out Gilbert Burns. So, Definitely been falling in love with his hands, but he's a very smart fighter. One of the smartest fighters on the roster. The reason why he's the smartest fighter on his roster. Um, sorry, that's one of the reasons why he's a UFC champion and in the pound for pound discussions and in for the in for the best world weight of all time discussion is because he's a very smart fighter, in my opinion. So, you know, you can't get to the pinnacle of the sport like this without being a smart fighter. So I do think he goes roots here. Um, I think he's actually going to get the finish. Over Kamara Usman. Um, um, <clears throat> I'm not so certain. Maybe 80%. It, it could be around right. You know, he's minus 400, minus 350. I don't necessarily think that's wrong. Man, Kamara Usman, he's such a good fighter. Uh, he really is. Um, yeah, I... Not much more to say, guys. I, I think he's going to get a wrestling game going. I think he has the potential to hurt Leon on the feet. 
And I also think he can hurt him on the ground. You know, I think he can ground and pound him. I think he can push him up against the cage and hurt him there. Um, you know, he's got five-round experience where Leon Edwards doesn't have much of that. Um, I don't know. I, I think Usman is going to going to get finished in this fight. And I think uh, a lot of people are going to be surprised because I know a lot of people are on um, Leon Edwards, just in terms of the, the money, the, the betting odds, right? But for me, Kamaru Usman is definitely, um, he's definitely going to win this fight. So yeah, I'm taking Kamaru Usman for the fourth round stoppage there. Like uh, Daz is saying, yeah, let's say fourth. Um, yeah, and that's it, guys. One hour and I've broken down the whole card. Um Apologies if the energy wasn't there as usual. I do have a little bit of a sickness. Throat isn't perfect right now. Throat's hurting a little bit. So I haven't been speaking with that, um, what's the word? Speaking with that enthusiasm potentially. By the end of the day, the information is the most important thing. I've broke down 12 out of 13 fights on the card, given you multiple bets, given you multiple predictions. Um, I think it could be a decent card for underdogs here. As I said, not sure if they're going to win, but will they outperform their number? Pretty confident in that, that a lot of the underdogs are going to outperform their number here. That's it. You know, nothing more to say. If you do have any um, questions, I'll answer them now. Um, before I go. But other than that, you should everybody for joining in i appreciate everybody watching if you haven't done already please please like this video um please subscribe and if you also leave a comment that helps the algorithm as well um so i do appreciate that shout out to everybody being in the chat keeping it active keeping it live um i do these every week so come back next week and i will um i'll be here Again, appreciate I was saying parlay. Thank you. Mushroom is saying any parlays this week. Man, last time you asked me that, you asked me for a, a free leg prop parlay, right? So, I mean, I'll give you another free leg parlay. Um, what are we going to go with? Let me have a look what we're doing here. All right, we're going to go with Harry Hunsucker, Tyson Pedro under 1.5 rounds. Um, I'm going to parlay it myself here just to see what type of lines we get. So, Hansaka Pedro under 1.5 rounds. Um, then we're going to go with um, Paolo Costa inside the distance. Um, and we will finish it off. We'll do another three-legger like we did last week. We will finish it off by parlaying. Um, Kamara Usman, Leon Edwards. Oh, fuck it. We'll just put Kamara Usman in there. Yeah, Kamara Usman. So that's a three-leg parlay there. So we've got Kamara Usman money line, Paolo Costa to win inside the distance, and Harry Huntsucker versus Tyson Pedro under 1.5 rounds. That's a three-leg parlay there. Um, we won last week with that three-leg parlay, so hopefully we can do it again. Uh, so there's your parlay, Mushroom. Um, shout out to Daz Files here. He's saying scare money, don't make money. Let's fucking go. That's true. Thanks very much. $10. 10 Australian dollars. Really appreciate it. Um, shout out to you. Shout out to Big Steve. Um, both donating to my channel. I really appreciate it. Helps me um, know that I am appreciated, which helps me to be more motivated to make more content. So as always, I'll be back next week, guys. Um, I will make more content as well. I've been saying for a while that I have um, some content to be put out on my channel. Be patient. It is going to be be put out i apologize with the delay if any of you watch me regularly you will know i've mentioned this a few times um but yeah it is coming out um be patient it's going to be worth it when it does come out leonardo nunez is saying he agrees on a breakdown the risks on betting out aging cardio but i just think his levels above morab 
I understand, man. Like, honestly, I understand. I'm not going to talk anyone out of a bet either side because I, I can see arguments for both fighters. And as I said, I lean Aldo, and I actually might get to Aldo TKO. So, look, man, good luck if you do bet it. Um, yeah, the the parlay is this one. Um, Pedro, Costa, inside the distance. Usman, Pedro under 1.5. Let's get it. Uh, Mushroom, thank you so much, James. Much respect. Thank you to you for watching too. Mirror Wire saying, what book is your go-to if you don't mind me asking? Um, at any one time, I have 15 books going. The book I go to is whatever book I can get action down on at the time. Um, Bet Online and Five Dimes are usually the best books for MMA in terms of lines, uh, how early the props are released and stuff like that. But it really depends on where I can get money down at that specific time. Um, yeah. Mushroom saying 2.22 a.m. Philly. Wow, he's up late. Uh, hopefully you're not late for work. That's it, guys. I'm off now. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Hit the like. Hit the subscribe. I'll be back next week. Let's make some money. Let's go.